When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. huge found footage apologist and I think I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago but you guys talked that that regularly so I figured it would still be appropriate um I'm really into more artsy horror and exploitive movies also like uh Gaspar Noe's movies one of my favorite filmmakers overall I was wondering John if you've ever seen Irreversible or any of his more recent movies, like the masterpiece Climax, um, they're both what I would still consider to be technically found footage films. Um, wondering if you've ever watched those. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks for that question that led me down a very unfortunate path. Uh, so to answer your question, prior to last week, I had only seen Enter the Void and Enter the Void not being found footage, at least in any way, shape, or form that I remember. It's like, okay, well, I should see if Climax is available because I remember Climax popping up on streaming services a lot, like Tubi and, and Pluto. I feel like it was regularly on something. Yeah. And it's not anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, let's see if Irreversible is. And it was. And so I watched it. And... <sighs> Boy, is that a movie that's on a list of things I never thought that I'd watch. Uh <laughs> It's a soul sucker. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I think even more than that. I think it might have actually sucked the soul out of like my neighbors <laughs> on top of it. Like they could feel <laughs> me watching Just it like oppressive dread on the whole block. There's a disturbance in the force. Like something's happening. Everyone just got sad all of a sudden. Yeah. Massive um, trigger warnings. Oh yeah. If you've never seen Irreversible, um I don't want to ever say don't watch a movie, but if you're looking to push your boundaries of yourself as a viewer, I would say Irreversible is a good choice. It is very extreme. Along with, like, a Serbian film, as, as long as you're at it. Uh, as far as, let, let's actually get to the question itself. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting. I would call this, I would call it more POV fiction than phone footage. I think it kind of falls within that conversation that we've had about, is phone footage really phone footage? Like, Yes, Blair Witch was found footage because they found it. Yes, Cloverfield was found footage because they found it. Yes, some 
some horror movies are, or movies in general are found footage because there's actually something about having found it, put it together, uh, grave encounters, found footage. Uh, this I would call more POV. And I would say even from that point of view, honestly, before the really upsetting stuff happens in Irreversible, boy, does Gaspar know, does he challenge a viewer to keep watching, period. The, the constant movement to the camera, like as you're going through the club following Vincent Castle, through, Cassell? Vincent, why am I getting, yeah. I'm getting his name wrong. Cassell. It's Cassell, right? Yeah. Following him through yes. the club. It was just, it was almost enraging. <laughs> like I was almost getting mad, like hold the camera still. <laughs> As a phone footage guy, I was getting frustrated by the camera. Um, so I would call it POV. And I would, th- I would almost argue that the subject matter itself made it feel so much more visceral that I think it would have probably felt POV anyway, because you almost feel trapped in a room, <laughs> like witnessing it. Like I didn't, I, I think it was sunny out when I watched it. And I think that was important. <laughs> I think I went outside afterwards. Touch some grass. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember, you know, like, give my kids an extra hug. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'm curious to see Climax. I have heard good things about Climax. Megan, you've seen Irreversible, I assume. I have seen have it. You seen, uh, have you seen Climax? I have seen Climax, yes. I have seen both. Thoughts about the two? I don't consider them found footage or really POV. I think that because I think he's making purposeful art choices, like stylistic Mm -hmm. choices. There's flourishes as much as it is trying to make the viewer complicit in the kind of Mm. horror element that is like he's he's confronting you with humans at their worst in both (laughs) cases. Um, And then I think you'll really see that more with climax because climax is like colorful vibrant the way the camera is swooping over the dancers on the dance floor the way that the credits don't come in until like 30 minutes into the movie these are all style choices for me that is not so much pov horror um as it is just gasper noe being gasper noe yeah almost felt like like fly on the wall pov or fly on the wall view (laughs) because it's that movement aspect of it which i i get i get what he's saying with in this question of it feeling found footage and like it's so hard to it's hard to label anything found footage i think accurately because like so many other things yeah that's just it it falls within this umbrella uh, of things and I get the feeling, and I think I was also watching it with a question in mind. Right. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't have called it found footage within the genre as we traditionally know it. But, yeah, I think, and I think you're very much right. It's that very intentional stylistic choice of the movement, making things almost feel, like, more fren- frenetic, it's like, unsettling. also in the way he's telling the story like irreversible Mm -hmm. is called irreversible because it is playing in reverse and you're getting scenes that were at the end you know all the way to the beginning and Mm -hmm. it's you know it's meant to evoke certain responses at certain points of the story which is also why i don't think it's necessarily pov but i also understand Um, that read yeah oh that's a good point too because the actual timeline itself 
Yeah. Kind of technically fall within that realm if you're telling it backwards. Which, I mean, it's filmmaking. You can do whatever you want, really. Yep. It's and just... he does. Oh, yeah. So far, <laughs> so far I see that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to maybe just like watch some old Tom and Jerry cartoons or something. Yeah, just, something uh, warm little, and fuzzy. You need some Disney in your life right now. A little palate cleanser. I, I haven't watched Hell House LLC for a while. Oh, good that. times. There you go. There's your comfort. <laughs> Speaking of comfort, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And help us discuss the disgusting. You know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And no Xena this no week. Zena. We didn't just completely ignore her during that question. Unfortunately, Zena had a conflict and she wasn't able to join us today. Wow. We will carry on in her spirit, trying to be a little spicy. Yeah, a little magical. Yeah, I can't live up to her style, oh. but... Did our, did our listeners just plummet? They just checked out immediately. No magical <laughs> For... Zena, we're out. Nope, it's not spicy enough. Yeah. This is mild at best. My... <laughs> just bland. We don't salt our food here. Not without Zena. <laughs> it's ketchup. Ketchup is the spice of Minnesota. Oh, my so goodness. So that's, <laughs> that's what this episode is. It's ketchup. This is not the hot ones. <laughs> yeah, this is not the hot ones. Speaking of ketchup, I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do a quick roundtable for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the two of us smile right now. Maybe the things that will make you smile too. So, Megan, what's been filling your heart this week? Have you seen Nope yet? I haven't. What? I was so... I couldn't. My kids, it's That's summer fair. break. That's I couldn't fair. get away. I'm I'm kind of tempted to just like go like Friday in the middle of the day or something, even if my wife's not available. Oh, what are you gonna do with the kids? You gotta take them. Don't uh, do no that. Friday. I actually Friday I, I dr- drop them off at the side of the road with a twenty dollar bill and uh, the address pinned to their shirts, and they find their way home. Perfect. Eventually. That is the perfect mentality going into this movie. <laughs> yeah, bloody disgusting legal corner. None of that's true. <laughs> Don't call. But tell me about nope. Or as much as you feel comfortable Don't talking worry, about there will nope. be no spoilers because it did just <laughs> hit theaters. And I, I'm not sure if it even hit theaters everywhere yet worldwide. For some reason, I thought uh, I'd seen in oh. the UK it takes, it might be coming out a few weeks later. So don't worry oh, for those that it hasn't even come out yet. There will be no spoilers. Um, all that I will say is that uh, the gist of the plot synopsis is two siblings. They inherited a horse ranch that's been in their family forever, tied to Hollywood. Um, they live in a gulch, uh, kind of near a old Wild West theme park. And there's something kind of otherworldly phenomenon happening, and they really want to capture it on film. Um, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Which has kind of been shared in the trailer so Right. Far, this is all I'm saying is, like, what's in the marketing thus far. Uh, yep. It definitely is not at all what I expected, which, you Ooh. know, was promised in the trailers is, you know, there's more to this than meets the eye, which I think you kind of expect with Jordan Peele because he has <laughs> a way of weaving in cryptic subtext and symbolism and references that, that you kind of piece together for the meaning um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's basically subtext wise, a really clever and scathing indictment on spectacle, um, both from a consumer standpoint, like we just can't stop consuming spectacle and the people that um, kind of contribute to making spectacle. Um, so yeah, it is definitely 
way violent. There's some flashback scenes that uh, are grim and dark that I was not prepared for. I really liked it. Um, I can understand it being maybe a little too cryptic um, because I think some of the, the backstory is reliant upon you understanding some of these references. But um, from a filmmaking, like technical standpoint alone, it's so good. There's this, hmm. There's a lot of people that I've seen that have kind of referenced uh jaws in a way or spielberg like there's mm. a very spielbergian quality like this big blockbuster with like different emotions and and the two leads are fantastic kiki palmer and daniel kalua they're really really mm. good that i mean the entire cast it was so nice to see michael wincott back in a movie mm. it has been a very long time nice so yeah, I I watched that. I enjoyed it. I highly recommend that uh, everybody check it out when they're able. And then the other movie that I watched, speaking of extreme horror like Gaspar Noe, it's a movie called Ooh. Megalomaniac. It is uh, played at Fantasia Film Fest. Does not have a release date yet, but we will update you as soon as that becomes available. Um, it is a Belgian horror movie that kind of feels very in the vein of like new French extremity, like the really rough stuff. Ooh. It is inspired by the actual true story. There was a serial killer in uh, Belgium, uh, the butcher of Mons, because I guess the city that he, it, this, it was this unidentified still to this day unsolved serial killer that from like 1996 to 1997, would dismember women, put their dismembered parts in bags, and leave them in obvious places by the side of the road for people to find, and then just vanished without a trace. So this movie kind of fictionalizes and supposes, well, what if this the butcher had children, and they grew up and kind of perpetuated this cycle? You've got Felix, who's very much repeating dad's modus operandi, and then you have sister Martha, or Marta, who... Uh, very timid and kind of docile, um, subservient to her more aggressive brother. Um, and, you know, it's so interestingly done because it's really, really grim, confrontational, kind of offensive. I mean, I think if you are a uh, in any way close to Belgium or these cases or the, the victims, like it seems like it's in poor taste for sure. But there's a point to it. You know, he's not really making this fictional story to be feel good or like a horror movie. He's basically lobbing critiques at, you know, patriarchy and and how these cycles happen and all sorts of stuff. Um, And as grim and as bloody as it can be, it's it's less serial killer ish and more psychological character study. It's a little bit like Henry in a little bit in a little way, but done like a Baroque painting. There's very weird art. There's like dream nightmare sequences sequences in it with like these all black painted demons that haunt, you know, Marta's mm. dreams. And then there's like the bloodlust of like and torment. It's this wild, uncomfortable film that is meant to push your buttons. Um, that is just so fascinating, even though, you know, if you aren't into extreme horror, don't watch it. It's 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 unsettling. But yeah. I don't think I've seen a French horror film that didn't feel bleak. Yeah, well, this is, is that something to do with just a translation of it hits American markets because of the extreme nature? See, or is French horror just bleak? I'm sure there's a difference. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll have to research. I feel like there's probably not all grim, but this one, this was Belgian. Um, oh, huh. and 
they don't really, you know, I, I spoke a while back, back when uh, Deep House came out, I spoke with the directors mm -hmm. and they were like, you know, France doesn't really have horror like America does, which might be why it's a little different because they don't, you know, getting horror movies made is a little bit trickier. Oh, like the financing standpoint, there just isn't necessarily the same marketplace. Yeah, so, there's no real gotcha. like horror genre. I think I remember reading mm. something a while back, and maybe this has changed. So if you happen to be a listener in France, fill me in. But I thought that they called it something like fantastique or something like this all-encompassing like genre and umbrella versus here's a hardcore like horror subgenre with a built-in audience, if that makes sense. Oh, more like it's like, <clears throat> like, uh, like saying it's genre fiction. Right. Yeah, like it's within a, a bigger blanket statement. Yeah, like there is, it's there's no like rabid fan base like there is here for horror specifically. So that's probably why, like a lot for a lot of the, um, you know, Alexandra West actually wrote a book. Uh, she's a academic, a horror academic in Canada, but she wrote this book on New French Extremity, and if you like, it's really really good. Um, and it kind of breaks down a lot of these movies have a purpose it's not just bleak for the sake of bleak there's like reflections of you know what the country was going on you know uh, experiencing at the time so it's like i basically the gist is it feels more intertwined and subtextual than just here's horror where we have a variety we have here's the societal reflections here's purely entertainment purposes here's you know it's variety here it feels more purposeful there yeah, you can find, I firmly believe anyone could find the kind of horror they like, whether it is Tucker and Dale versus evil, Yeah. whether, it, whether, whether it's Jordan Peele, whether it's Stephen King, Clive Barker, whatever, like they'll find some, you could find something. It's like an all that ages thing. Exactly. Well, with you and Xena, especially. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't tell me, but you can kind of wrap Beetlejuice into that gateway horror bubble. I mean, I feel like you could find yeah, that stuff. Ghostbusters. Sure. Um, speaking of, I'm going to call it gateway horror what I watched first. Uh, I was cruising through. One of the things I love about Tubi is they've got such a deep catalog of 80s and 90s horror movies that I've never heard of. Even though and I've I talked really... about them before. You've talked about this one? Yeah. Ah, oh, crap. Well, <laughs> John listens to me. You can tell. <laughs> we have watched so many movies. We really movies. have. We really have. It is so hard to keep track. Yeah, I was, I'm almost, I'm pretty positive you guys talked about the second one I watched too. I just don't remember. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, okay, perfect. Well, 1991's Highway to Hell, available on Tubi. That and Megan's already talked about. So I'm it's just going to say. It's been a long time, say, so you talk about it with your fresh eyeballs. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> At least <laughs> that concession that it wasn't like last week. No, it's, it's been a long time, forgot. yeah. Charlie and his girlfriend Rachel are eloping to Las Vegas, but a turn down the wrong road brings them face to face with Hell Cop, a demon who kidnaps Rachel. Now Charlie must make his way through Hell to rescue his fiance. Um, I have to assume at some point you might, uh, refer to this as just a uh, crazy bonkers. <laughs> it's, it's a, a horror comedy that's like parroting a Greek myth. Yeah. It, it was the comedy. It's like Persephone. Was, yeah. The comedy was weird because I mean, there's obvious, you know, Dante references within, what's going on and, and the river sticks and Chiron and, but it's so, the humor is so weird. 
Like, you know that it's silly. Yeah. And you, and you know that it's funny, but at the same time, you're like, but are they playing it for laughs? <laughs> because the whole, it, like, Ben Stiller family shows up at one point. The fact that Ben and Jerry Stiller are both in it. And, and mom. Oh, is, oh, is mom the, the, the waitress? In, yeah, in the diner. Well, that that's what makes sense then. Yeah. Um, but then Ben Stiller shows up again. Yeah. <laughs> like, later is Genghis Khan. Yeah. Uh, and... It's 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 such a strange example of I wish that I could have been involved just a fly on the wall during the pitch for this movie. <laughs> and that because it's so strange how many things are kind of shoehorned into it and the information and the reveals that are kind of like cameos are weird. The cameos are weird. There are moments where I feel like you're supposed to gasp, like, <gasps> and it was just like, okay. <laughs> like, and then it's like, okay, well, why is this guy, what's going on with this guy? I don't really understand what's, it's more like you're just along for the ride. Oh, yeah. It's best, it's best not to ask questions for this one. It's really weird. It has Chad Lowe, Rob Lowe's brother, in it. At first, I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? I could not figure out why. And I was like, oh, because he kind of looks like Rob Lowe. And Christy Swanson and Patrick Bergen. And it's it's hell. And there are parts of it where you're like, yeah, that sounds terrible. But it's a pretty palatable hell. Like, all things considered, if I got to go to hell, that's not the worst one I could go to. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> desert oasis. Yeah, a lot of people are just kind of tooling around in their cars and, like, it's just, all right. But that's also like, some kind people of are partying. Persephone, right? I mean, he's trying to entice her to stay with him. Yeah, it's... Kind of hard to do that if it's, like, you know, really bad. I also love the idea that they would pitch this to a studio executive and be like, it's Persephone retold. <laughs> and then they make this. Yeah. Like, I don't... The 90s was kind of great for these really outrageous monster comedies, like Freaked. Uh-huh. Oh, so... God. With, uh, yeah, Alex Winters. Yes. Yeah. I, I think there was a really interesting transition period for me between 80s horror and 90s horror. Yeah. Where which a lot of people view as like the nineties not being a really great time for horror. But there was like the middle ground is so silly. Like it's not like serious horror between like eighty-nine and ninety three two, three. It's just a lot of like goofiness. Yeah. And then like, no, we gotta get dark again. Like we gotta make it scary again. And then it's like, okay, well <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't until, work. Until you know, we we got back there. Yeah. And obviously we've we've gotten back there. It's been horror's been fantastic lately. And this is a different kind of fantastic. Just a very interesting footnote. If there's a college class of like the history of horror, this period is a really weird time to teach. <laughs> like this is what we got. Uh but I totally recommend it. It Highway to Hell is super silly and weird and the cameos, it's kind of funny just to see young Ben Stiller and Jerry Stiller and mom whose name I don't remember, and I apologize, uh, in the same movie with, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a movie. <laughs> so, no, it's fun. I really, I, I really liked it. it but yeah, it is totally it's, like direct-to-video type 90s silly oh, horror. yeah. It's a goofy comfort watch for me. This is background. If I'm cleaning the house or something, oh, like yeah. I could totally just throw this on. 
And then a movie that I've actually been waiting for a while. And I think because Xena watched this mm-hmm. and I think I put on my watch list and it just hadn't been available until like this week or this month. Shudder finally brought out uh, 2020's Bloody Hell. Rex finds himself in prison after trying to stop a bank robbery. After doing his time, he moves to Finland and finds that he's just traded one form of hell for another. I remember watching the trailer for this and being like, this uh, this looks like an amazing horror comedy. And then I watched the movie and I was like, well, it's funny in some parts, but it's not as funny like, it seems like it's a straight horror comedy, almost like Tucker and Dale. Yeah. And it's not. There are some really funny scenes, but then it's kind of shrouded within like, a, oh, this is this is dark. <laughs> like, things are not going well for this guy. And I'm not entirely sure that I'm rooting for him in the first place. Yeah, he's not the greatest guy. Yeah, the, the, the actor who plays Rex, I think, is awesome. There is, in particular... Like I said, there's a bank robbery he tries to stop and he ends up going to prison for like what happens during it. And eventually you finally get to see the flashback of what happens in it. Mm -hmm. And in the flashback, like he's really funny. Like there are these moments where it's like hilarious. Uh, He's just got like great delivery and stuff. But it's also pretty dark uh, at several or at several places. I, I don't know. I don't want to give anything away. I mean, it's simple. Yeah. If you're watching it, it's not going to be like crazy, but I also don't want to like ruin any of the stuff that you're going to see. I, I think it's, it's like in terms of horror comedy, like if you think of like the funniest one that you saw, which I don't know, might have to be Tucker and Dale. It's got to be up there, at least in, like, the top ten funniest, like, horror movies. We'll have to do that sometime. Like, funniest horror, or actually funniest horror movies. I I would put Bloody Hell, like, in the middle. Okay. I I wouldn't call it super funny, but there's enough humor that it defuses the tension of the situations that are actually happening. Because if you took away those moments that are clearly comedy, it's just a dark movie. Yeah happening which we've talked about before that if you just twist scripts a little bit it can go from something really funny to really dark really really fast like you take the soundtrack or the laugh track out of friends and it gets dark real real fast in a lot of places it's that concept so before we move on what are we watching how do we watch it i watch nope in theaters and megalomaniac at fantasia film festival and I watched a movie that Megan watched a while ago that I forgot, 1991's Highway to Hell on Tubi. And I think a movie Zena already watched, 2020's Bloody Hell on Shutter. See, and I watched other movies I should have talked about. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> New it's stuff. Fine. People need a refresher. It's been too long. Yeah. And it's avail- And these are available streaming now. There you go. So it, just in case they weren't and they just came back. Hopefully Highway to Hell is not leaving Tubi soon. I, I forgot if it was a <laughs> <that> section. <laughs> Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Hey, you remember that movie X, the really good slasher uh-huh. that Ty West released earlier this year? Well. Dark Trio approved. Yes, it was Dark Trio approved. Uh, we already knew that Mia Goth was going to reprise the role of X's villain Pearl in an upcoming prequel movie titled Pearl. Um, but finally, we get more news on that front. A24 had teased the... Um, 
a, they put a trailer at the post credits of X if you saw it in theaters, and that's the only place that it has been released thus far. And technically, it still is. Uh, there is a brand new, except trailer. for a bootleg version that I had to find on YouTube there because you go. I didn't stay yeah. till the very end, and you guys laughed at me. We're not endorsing that though. Um, no, no, I'm sure it's gone by now. Yeah, and well, if you see it, it reported. Probably they probably <laughs> would have. Um, but either way, um, that's still if you happen to catch it, you're still you know in the limited crowd there because they uh a24 uh they officially released a brand new trailer that um gives a lot more of a comprehensive look than the one i feel like the one that was in theaters was very kind of tonal and almost more encapsulating the period and this one gives a little bit more insight to what the plot Mm. is um, and the official plot is trapped on her farm's iso- or her family's isolated farm. Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devout mother. Lusting for a glamorous life like she's seen in the movies, Pearl's ambitions, temptations, and repressions all collide in stunning Technicolor-inspired origin story of X's iconic villain. In addition to Mia Goth, the second movie's cast includes David Cornsweet, Tandy Wright, uh, Matthew Sunderland, and Emma Jenkins-Piro, and the film was written by West and Goth. So, uh, in an interview earlier this year with Bloody Disgusting, Wes said, Part of the idea of this movie that's cool to me is that there's a bigger thing to it all. What I can tell you about Pearl, because we've already made it and it's done, is it's very much a story about Pearl, so you will learn more about her. It's stylistically very different from X. You don't need one without the other, but they enrich each other in a specific way. In the way that X is affected, let's say, by 1970s horror independent filmmaking and Americana cinema, Pearl is influenced by a very different era of filmmaking. If we do the third one, it'll be affected by a different type of cinema. I do hope that they do a third one, even though I have not seen Pearl and I really, really want to. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have long to wait because uh, it releases in theaters on September 16th. So... So if you haven't seen X, that's how good X is, is that Megan wants a third one before she's seen the second one. I really do. I really do. Just give me all of that stuff. Um, Yeah. I am very curious to see Pearl because I love the cast of X so much. Mm -hmm. Like as far as uh, um, uh, like an ensemble in a horror movie, it's it's up there with my all-time favorites. Like, I don't remember watching it and thinking, I don't like that character. You like them all or understand them all. Yeah, you like them or understand them. You're like, oh, like, I remember just having very strong feelings about just the statement that that character's existence was. It wasn't just fodder. It wasn't just expositional. It wasn't just comic relief. It was like, oh, no, they're people. Yeah. Like, and they're reacting to what's going on around them. Like people would. Yeah. So I, I have, I don't want to say high hopes. I don't like saying high hopes. I don't like saying, oh, I really want to watch this. I'm, I'm like nervous, excited. Nervous, excited. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But it's also, you're going to have to shake it because it's clearly going to be a different beast. Like the trailer yeah. does, you see some overlap there, especially between Mia Goth's character and the original movie, you know, Aside from Pearl, like there's some there's some connections there. I think I pick up on. But he did say point blank, like, "Hey, this is inspired by a totally different era of filmmaking, which means it's probably going to have a very different flavor. We shall see." But it's like give West more of these, like let him go nuts with original horror. I'm into it. Um, mm-hmm. And then switching gears, the Halloween <laughs> Ends trailer is finally here, and at long last. Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, they're going to battle to the bitter, bloody end again. 
Again. <laughs> Again. I, I'm not, I know I say this all like sarcastically, but uh, I don't know. The trailer, you know, the footage is, that they show in the trailer is a montage of scenes that culminates with a long promised battle between Michael and Lori, ending with the shape trying to shove her hand in the garbage disposal, which that's cool. Mm-hmm. I hate garbage disposals in horror. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like every trailer thus far has kind of been touting the same thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we'll see how it pans out. But the trailer is like, again, they're they're putting the main event. They're teasing a main event of a Lori and Michael versus you know epic battle showdown halloween ends tonight or whatever (laughs) so we'll see but the official plot synopsis is four years after the events of last year's halloween kills laurie is living with her granddaughter allison and is finishing writing her memoir michael myers hasn't been seen since laurie after allowing the specter michael to determine and drive her reality for decades has decided to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life when a young man, Corey Cunningham, is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Lori to finally confront the evil she can't control once and for all. Uh, Halloween Ends uh, co-stars returning cast Will Patton as Officer Frank Hawkins, Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace, and James Jude Courtney as The Shape. And it hits theaters just in time for Halloween on October 14th. So yeah, I don't know how you feel about it. Or if you even checked out the trailer. I did check out the trailer. I didn't know any of the synopsis. Okay. So my impression was is that it was just like Halloween Kills and it was right on the tail uh, of the previous. Yeah. I think I appreciate that it's four years removed. I think if it had been obviously Laurie, I mean, I don't know, spoilers, whatever. G- given Laurie's condition in Halloween Kills. Yeah. And Michael's condition in Halloween Kills and everything else, it's kind of like, okay, so now Laurie's going to kill michael myers which which is kind of why the trailer didn't do much for me like i i'm definitely gonna see this asap is you know as soon as it's Mm. available i'm gonna see it but the trailer itself was like it doesn't really give you anything other than hey the two that have been going at it for the past two movies they're gonna go at it again yeah they're gonna fight they're gonna fight again well we kind of expected that yeah. Um, so we'll see. Give me, give me another trailer. Give me another trailer, please. Yeah, th- there's got to be another one. Did this one just get released at uh, San Diego Comic Con? Uh, no, this dropped beforehand. But oh, okay. speaking of San Diego Comic Con, it it has been a total glut of of a lot of trailers and information. Oh. Um, we obviously don't have the time to cover it all. It's on bloody disgusting. If you want, I mean, there's. <laughs> There was a trailer for the new show, uh, Interview with the Vampire. There was Let the Right One In TV show teases. There was a lot of the uh, Chucky season two teaser looks killer, uh, pun intended. Um, So I basically plucked news that I thought that people might think was really cool because it involves Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, We all (laughs) adore the horror icon, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer herself, uh, legend Sarah Michelle Gellar. Who was also in, you know, Scream 2, I Know What You Did Last Summer, a bunch of other horror movies, Scooby-Doo. Um, she crashed. There was a panel at San Diego Comic-Con for Paramount Plus's Teen Wolf the movie. Uh, that's the thing that's, I guess it was on MTV for a few seasons. And 
maybe it had an ending, but they're getting a continuation of movie form that's coming to Paramount+. Plus. Well, she crashed that panel to announce that she's uh, going to star in the spinoff series of that show for Paramount+, Plus called Wolfpack. Uh, Geller stars as an arson investigator, Kristen Ramsey, a highly regarded expert in her field and no stranger to personal loss, brought in by authorities to catch the teenage arsonist who started a massive wildfire which may have led to the reawakening of a supernatural predator terrorizing Los Angeles. Wolfpack follows a teenage boy, Everett, and teen girl, Blake, whose lives are forever changed when the wildfire awakens a terrifying supernatural creature. Wounded in the chaos of its attack, the teens are inexplicably drawn to each other and to two others, fraternal twins Harlan and Luna, who are adopted 16 years earlier by a park ranger after another mysterious wildfire. As the full moon rises, all four teens come together to unravel the secret that connects them, the bite and the blood of a werewolf. So she's going to be uh, the arsonist, and they're going to be a pack of teen werewolves. So I guess it is Teen Wolf Part D. Um, teen Wolves. Teen Wolves. Teen Werewolves. Uh, the upcoming series is based on the book series by Edo Van Belkum. It also hails from the same people as uh, Teen Wolf, and you can expect Wolf Pack to arrive on Paramount Plus this year in the U.S. and internationally wherever you know Paramount Plus is available. Wait, was Teen Wolf a book first, or did they make a book series after Teen Wolf? I, I, I don't. That is a good question that I don't know. <sighs> I mean, did it start as a book and then it turned into a Michael J. Fox movie, and then Chicken years the later egg. they they changed it up? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking that this is a book series spinoff from the movie. Possibly. Is my theory if it's suddenly about like a wolf pack that? People just got like super excited to be really good at basketball and <laughs> and in a lesser level boxing. And then they wanted to be a lot of them. Yes, I've seen Teen Wolf too. Jason Bateman, he's <laughs> a teen idol. There you go. Sounds like you wrote some fanfic in your day. <laughs> no, I haven't seen The Omen. Yes, I've seen Teen Wolf too. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. Will Evil die on October 14th? Should John admit that he's never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series, so Christy Swanson is still the lead he thinks of when the title is mentioned? This is blasphemous. Oh, I would be surprised if you don't hear about this from at least one person. I'm sure I will. (laughs) I fail on so many levels when it comes to being a horror fan. Let's hear about it. You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. Or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Megan's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Megan, what should we be watching? Uh, I guess I should say that unless the, it's uh, the theater, pants are optional. Go to the theater <laughs> with pants. Yeah, I think we can. I think we can officially like take a stance on that. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the I don't, official I don't think stance is don't go one. pantsless to the theater unless it's a yeah. kilt or a skirt, and then that's acceptable. But you know, yeah, or it's hot. You use shorts. Yeah, still, shorts. Yeah. yeah, but otherwise, don't go in your undies. Um, yeah. So Thursday, uh, we have the Reef Stocked. It is the sequel to the Reef. Um, so it is another shark attack movie by the same director that hits shutter and then on netflix there is keep breathing that has a uh, scream fives melissa barrera and it is kind of she gets lost or stuck in the wilderness a survival type horror series i think it's six episodes 
Friday, you have Resurrection, which hits theaters. That is a Rebecca Hall uh, psychological horror movie that also stars Tim Roth. It is really good for Rebecca Hall's performance alone, although Roth does commit and go, he goes places. Uh, Hypochondriac also hits theaters on Friday, and that one is uh, about a gay man dealing with his kind of um generational inherited mental illness uh kind of is donnie darko like a little bit um but horror donnie darko is not horror i mean i feel like you can make a case for it not being though like there's horror to it but i think overall i don't know if you would call that horror there's horror elements there's sci-fi I think I saw Southland Tales described as like horror comedy on one of the streaming services. I'm like, I, that's not what I would have picked at all. No, I wouldn't have either. But you know, boundaries, you def- you define it however you want. Yeah, whatever works. Whatever. That's fine. Just watch whatever it. Whatever Just watch it. Uh, and then, you know, if you want some gateway horror that John may watch because, <laughs> you know, might be his style. Only if Teen Wolf 2 is not available. Te- if Teen Wolf 2 is not available, he may... Get the kiddos. Uh, a brand new season of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the the new one that's like every season takes on a new story. This one is called Ghost Island, and it premieres Saturday on Nickelodeon. So, yeah, watch it. And, you know, live your life. Bloody Disgusting TV is also available. And one other thing that I also want to note, um, Screambox, the Pennywise, the story of it, that hits. Yeah. Um, well, it all would be... It are, it will already be out on Screenbox by the time this episode drops. It's a documentary of the 1990 miniseries It. Um, you should definitely check that out. It's a delight. I plan on it. Thanks for the reminder. You're welcome. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And I'm still living my own Are You Afraid of the Dark on Creepy, so go check that out. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. And I'm Megan. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Bloody Disgusting.